Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I hope you're doing well. I am currently traveling. I'm in New Mexico with my friend. Uh, She's a photographer and she has a couple photo shoots here. And she was like, please, I don't want to drive alone. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll tag along. So just exploring some new places. And this is my first time recording a podcast episode while on the road. So I do feel pretty, pretty cool right now. Not going to lie. <laughs> but before we get into today's podcast episode topic, which is all about decision making, how to make better decisions, quicker decisions, less overthinking and more self-trusting, I wanted to ask you If you have received The Gift of Self-Love, my new book, I'm sure you've heard a lot about it at this point, and I hope that you're feeling called to get it uh, for yourself or for a friend. And um, if you have it, I would so greatly appreciate if you could leave a review on Amazon or wherever you bought it from. Truth be told, I feel really, really weird (laughs) asking for reviews all the time, but unfortunately, Amazon is kind of this... Uh, you know, this beast in the book world. And those reviews just matter so, so much when it comes to the growth and longevity of the book. So if you have 60 seconds to spare and you just want to log in there and leave a review on Amazon, that would be so, so appreciated. And what I'm doing in order to thank you and express my gratitude is I'm actually going to send you a signed sticker that you can like put 
in the front cover of your book. So under normal circumstances, I would have been doing a book tour. I would have been sending out signed copies, all of that stuff. But because of the situation with the Kenora, I heard that on a TikTok and I thought it was hilarious. Um, Because of the Kenora situation and the worldwide pandemic that we're all dealing with, we have had to like put a pause on all of that. So hopefully this signed book plate sticker will somehow compensate for that. So all you have to do is leave a review wherever you bought it from, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, wherever you feel called, even Goodreads if you're not an Amazon kind of person, leaving a review on Goodreads also is helpful. But yeah, take a screenshot of it when you review and then I'm going to drop a link to a form in the show notes. And if you click on that link, it'll take you to a form where you'll just fill out your name and address, like where I can send the sticker to, and just upload a screenshot of your review. And that's all. I wish there was a little easier process to do that um, because I know it's kind of (laughs) like leave a review, fill out this form. But unfortunately, I don't know your address and I need your address if I'm going to send you something. So if you feel called and comfortable to do that, I would so greatly appreciate that. So without further ado, let's get into today's podcast episode. It's all about decision making. So I have noticed that I struggle to make decisions and I almost feel like I used to be better when I had less responsibilities. But now that I have so much on my plate, sometimes it's almost like... I don't know, mind numbing and I get really overwhelmed and then I'm indecisive and I just start kind of running myself in circles and struggling to make the most basic of decisions. And then I ask my boyfriend, I ask my best friend, I ask my mom. (laughs) And by the end of it, I just have so many of other people's opinions that it makes me in a even more overwhelmed (laughs) situation. And so what I've noticed from personal experience is that struggling with decision making is actually a sign of lack of self-trust and seeking external validation. And then on top of that, this fear of regret, which is kind of also related to the feeling of, you know, like the grass is always greener on the other side. So like, if I make this decision, then I'm going to miss out on that one. And if I make that one, then I'll miss out on this one. And then just like not knowing and being so afraid that you're going to make a decision that you're going to regret in the future. And I actually heard somebody call this uh, FOBO, which stands for fear of better options. (laughs) So that is definitely something that I experience a lot where I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I think this all comes down to self-worth. People with a high self-worth, people who trust themselves, people who maybe don't overthink as much, usually will recognize that whatever decision they make, it won't affect their self-worth, right? And it won't change anything about them internally. It's not a reflection of their character. It's not going to like most most decisions that we make in daily life is not going to make or break you. And for me, I treat every decision like it's going to make or break me, like even ordering on a menu. I'm like, well, I want this and then I want that and I'm scared I'll regret it. And then if I don't get this, then what if I hate this? And I just start like (laughs) running just, yeah, just driving myself crazy. And at the same time, I also need to know like what 
everybody else is going to order before I can place my order. And again, it's just like constantly basing your own decision off of somebody else's. So at the beginning of this year in January, one of my main decisions or one of my main intentions, sorry, not decisions, one of my main intentions was to make quicker decisions. So i.e. just decide, trust yourself, stop driving yourself crazy, and leave more brain space for the things that actually matter. And for me, this is an exercise of self-worth because like I said, people with a high self-worth don't base their worth off of the little day-to-day decisions they're going to make and they don't beat themselves up when they make a mistake or maybe there was a better decision they could have made, but they're like, okay, like that's not what happened. So just let me take care of what I have in front of me right now. And on the flip side, people with low self-worth keep trying to find the thing that will help them feel worthy, whether it's other people's approval or even your own approval. I've noticed that I set really high expectations for myself, like really, really, really high. And I'm constantly, or, you know, my history as like a very kind of type A, go, 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 high achiever kind of person is that I set these really high expectations and I'm just seeking for something that's going to make me feel whole or worthy. And obviously the past four or five years of my recovery journey has been a lot about finding my own self-worth and making sure that I'm constantly doing things to build that. And I feel like I really got a handle on it when it comes to like body image related things. But as you know, we expand on all self-love topics, not just body image. And currently the self-love journey that I'm on has a lot to do with just trusting myself and believing in myself and letting myself fall and then get back up knowing that I'm resilient and that I will be okay. So like I said, I made this New Year's intention back in January. It's now May. And I want to share some things that have helped me in case you struggle with this as well. Uh, But first, I want to just real quick summarize why it's so important to be solid in your decisions. Firstly, it's a sign of greater confidence and self-worth. We just talked about that. And by the way, confidence and self-worth are totally different. I won't get into this today, but if you're interested in the difference between confidence and self-worth, self-esteem, self-compassion, all those components of self-love, I actually write about it extensively in chapter one of The Gift of Self-Love. It is the first thing we start with because I think The most important thing for your self-love journey is to set the foundation and make sure you know what you're working on. And a lot of people get confidence and self-worth confused and that ends up shooting them in the foot in the long run because it's just all a mess inside our head and we feel like we don't have confidence and we don't really even know what self-worth really is. So anyways, chapter one of my book goes into that deeper. Of course, it has the workbook exercises, the self-love challenges. There's even a confidence quiz inside of that. So hopefully you've already got a chance to look at chapter one. And if not, if you don't have the gift of self-love, you can go get it. It's in my Instagram bio. It's on my website you'll find it. You can just search for it on Amazon and it'll be there. So anyways, greater confidence and self-worth is attached to like strongly correlated with being solid in your decisions. And this part is highly underrated. I feel like 
Making quicker decisions reduces what's called decision-making fatigue. And decision-making fatigue is basically this concept that we only have a certain amount of energy to constantly be making decisions, choosing left or right. Or in our case, we're also faced with something called the paradox of choice, which means that we're not just choosing do I go left or do I go right? We're also like, can I go up and down and travel through time and space and here and there and whatever? Like we have so many options. Like picture yourself in the cereal aisle of a grocery store or at your favorite ice cream place and there's all these different options and you love cereal and ice cream like I do (laughs) and you're like, I want all of them. I want to taste all of them. I don't know which one to get. Um, I'm limited to like two flavors, maybe max three, but I have like 20 to choose from. I mean, it's a little overwhelming and all that thinking actually makes our brains tired. We may not realize it in the moment, but when we're doing this multiple times a day, considering the amount of decisions we have to make and the amount of choices that we have, you know, living in the society that we do, most of us nowadays, which is seemingly a good thing, but for our brains and for our mental health, it actually exhausts us. So it's important to know how to approach decision-making so that you have more brain space for other things, the things that are actually important. And I feel like this especially affects my creativity. When I'm doing like a lot of administrative tasks, a lot of deciding things, I am just drained. I don't have any space for like creative thinking because I'm just so caught up in that rat race. And also decision-making often goes hand in hand with rumination and overthinking, which is a big sign of anxiety. So again, if you're anything like me, you probably already know what this is and how shitty it feels, but it's basically when your mind is just running in circles and circles and you've like considered all your options, you've made the pro and con list, you're just kind of I don't know, again, you're just exhausting yourself with this and it's causing a lot of anxiety and overwhelm because you're beating yourself up, you're worried that you might not make the right decision, you're faced with so many choices and just so many things and da, you know? (laughs) So um, I think a lot of us have experienced that. Lastly, making quicker and better decisions while learning to forgive yourself for those bad ones. I put that in quotation marks because, you know, everything is a learning process. But this is an incredible life skill, and it's probably the number one best skill of the world's greatest leaders. If you're in the self-help world and if you just look at some of the people you admire, a lot of what they do is leadership. And leadership requires us to take a stance, to make a decision, to empower other people to make decisions for themselves too. And so this is just something that I think builds great character. (laughs) I kind of sound like a dad. This is a great character builder. No, I, I truly do believe that. And I think that since January, I've gotten better at decisions. And I just feel like more confident. I feel free. I feel like I trust myself. And I'm not like beating myself up for what could have been or what should have been or all all those different options. So 
here's some steps. I have eight steps for you for how to overcome decision-making fatigue, make quicker and probably better decisions if you want to practice this. If this is one of your intentions, I firmly believe that it'll be just like such a weight lifted off your shoulders. So firstly, you got to set that intention that you're going to start making quicker decisions. Now, quicker doesn't necessarily mean rushed. There is a difference between doing something quickly and doing something in a rush. I think you can infer the difference, but basically when you're in a rush, you're kind of living life based on what I call other people's agendas. You're like, oh my God, I got to do this and that and this. And you're just, ah, that frantic energy. Whereas when you're working on something quickly, you're focused, you're in flow, there's likely a time limit on it. So that's actually a really good side tip to making decisions. It's like, okay, I'm going to research this until X time or for 10 minutes, and then I'm going to decide based on my options, right? And so that is the beauty of making quicker decisions because you're not taking up too much of your time or energy or attention, and you're also maximizing the time, energy, and attention that you are using. It's just kind of in this limited capacity. Uh, One of the techniques, another side note, I am the queen of side notes. Another side note is one of the techniques that I use to help calm anxiety is this, this sounds funny, and I don't know if this works for anyone else, but sometimes if I'm like really worrying about something, I put a time limit on how long I let myself worry about it. Like I'll be like, okay, I'm going to worry about this until the end of today, and then I'm not going to worry about it anymore. <laughs> or my therapist actually brought up a really good point at our session last week. She said, you can also delay your worrying. So if you have like a presentation on Thursday, you don't need to start worrying on Monday. You can start worrying on Wednesday. (laughs) And I know this sounds like weird brain hack stuff, but it truly helps so much because, you know, when you get that anticipation anxiety and you're like, oh, I have this thing coming up at the end of the week and you just can't stop thinking about it. Uh, For me, a great thing that I found is that I literally put a start time and an end time to worrying because I know myself, I know I'm going to worry. I know I get nervous. I know I struggle with self-doubt, especially when I'm preparing for public speaking related things, because it's still something that I'm fairly new at and something that is really important to me. So of course I'm going to worry. It's just, I don't need to worry as much as my brain wants to. (laughs) I can put a time limit on it. I can be a little bit more in control of that. So anyways, back to decisions. Secondly, this the second thing that may help you is reducing the amount of options you have. I brought up this idea of the paradox of choice, right? And how it makes us overwhelmed. And there's actually studies, like real scientific social behavioral studies that show that the more choices we have, the more like depressed we get. Truly. Um, And obviously, it's kind of like a curve. I believe the graph was curved, but basically, it's like us humans, we love freedom and independence to an extent. But then when it gets too much, we get overwhelmed. And of course, it's different depending on the situation. But basically, you know, we like having 
five or 10 boxes of cereal (laughs) to choose from. But once there's like 30 in that aisle and we're standing there wasting time for like 10 minutes, our grocery shopping experience just becomes more tiresome for our brains. And this applies to so many different things. So by reducing the amount of options you have, you can just, you know, do the method of elimination and just reduce it down to a few options and then choose from those. And also keep in mind that structure, especially for our brains, can often create freedom. What do I mean by that? Well, if you are constantly bumbling around, not knowing what you're doing, not knowing what you're going to have for breakfast or lunch or dinner, not knowing where you're going to go or who you're going to see or what you have to do today, you are going to probably feel very mopey, right? Um, the feeling that a lot of us experienced, especially at the beginning of quarantine, where we're like, uh, what? I don't have to like go to work anymore. We actually found a certain sense of freedom in that routine and that structure. When I was at the beginning of my recovery journey, obviously I was rejecting diet culture and trying to do everything I could to prevent myself from doing a meal plan or counting calories or all those things that like fucked me up back then. But I also realized, and I talked to a counselor about this, that because I was waking up in the morning and didn't know what I was going to have for breakfast because I had all these different options now that I could eat whatever I want, that I was like freaking myself out. And she said that especially at the beginning of recovery, like you don't want to go from one extreme to the other. She's like, what if you had like three options for yourself? Like maybe you have eggs or toast or yogurt or oatmeal and you just had certain go-tos there. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it's important to have certain go-tos so that way you're not spending the precious hours of the morning making these decisions. That's why it's also, you know, so helpful to pick out your outfit the night before because then in the morning you're not making decisions. I mean, how exhausting is it to make decisions about something as silly as what are you going to wear today? But it feels so important in that moment. And for a lot of us, it is important. But when we feel like we can't decide, we almost feel powerless. And that's why it's called the paradox of choice, because more options, more choices doesn't necessarily make us happier. There has to be a certain limit. So a certain level of rules and structure can actually be very liberating. Of course, it's a balance. Like, of course, there's this ebb and flow and there's a time where you kind of figure out what works for you. And this applies to everything in life. But, you know, as we got further and further into quarantine, a lot of us created routines, right? We started eventually waking up at a certain time during the day. And even though like my work, I'm so lucky that I can kind of work whenever I want, I still kind of abide by like nine to five hours because I realize that when I don't, I just get stressed out. (laughs) So it's so much better for my mental health to be like, I work during work hours. So yeah, not everything, (laughs) freedom is not always as glamorous as it seems is the point I'm trying to make. So reduce the amount of options you have, like narrow them down, have certain go-tos, and you will likely find a lot of freedom in that. Thirdly, this question is one of my favorites. Ask yourself, will this matter three minutes, three months, or three years from now? 
And some of those answers might be no, they might all be no, or they might be a combination of yeses and nos. But this will basically just put into perspective how much energy you should actually be spending on this decision. Um, So the way I use this that's not like time related is it kind of combines the whole setting rules thing and reducing the amount of options I have to this question because it kind of goes hand in hand. Here's how, like, for example, I notice that whenever I am shopping, <laughs> like at Target or Amazon, or um, especially when I'm buying like necessary things like house related things or even certain clothes or makeup or whatever. Anyways, I'm shopping, online shopping. I noticed that I was spending a lot of time asking myself like, oh, is this worth it? Should I spend $5 on this? Should I spend $10 on that? Or is this worth $20? Or, oh, maybe I should save money. And all of those are good things, right? Um, A lot of them actually aren't that great of things because they're coming from this mindset of like scarcity. And I'm like so scared to spend money, which is a whole nother situation. But long story short, I'm like really fucked up (laughs) from my parents and just how I grew up, like really, really poor. And then my dad just It was a disaster story for another time. I had just like the weirdest money situation, especially compared to all my peers because my parents are from Russia. So anyways, because of all that, I just have these anxieties when it comes to spending money. And so I noticed that like every little purchase on Amazon, even if it was like a sponge to wash my dishes, I was like questioning if I should buy it. and. This was driving me crazy. And so I put a rule. I set a rule for myself. And the rule is if it's less than $15, I just buy it. No questions asked. Now, your threshold may be different. Um, It may be lower, higher, whatever. But whatever that rule is for you, sometimes that can be just really empowering because you're just spending less time thinking about it. And I think this goes hand in hand with that like three minutes, three months, three years question that you can ask yourself because it just puts into perspective like, do I need to be worrying about something if it's not going to matter three minutes from now or three months or three years from now? Can I just make a decision that's going to solve all the other decisions that's just going to take it off my chest and get it over with, right? That helps a lot. Fourthly, this is related to getting other people's opinions and talking to other people about your options and just discussing things, right? So I have a best friend and both of both her and I are overthinkers. So we text each other about every little thing and it's so funny and it's also so comforting to have her there. And I appreciate that so, so much. But also not her, but some of the other people in my life that I was talking to, I realized that they were just like really extreme with very extreme opinions. And it was, again, it was giving me a lot of anxiety because I felt like if I made a certain decision, then these people wouldn't approve of it. And I already asked them for advice. And why would I ask somebody for advice and then not take their advice? And it just added this extra layer of guilt to something that was already stressing me out. Gosh, I'm making myself sound like a... a, like, I don't even know. (laughs) Clearly, I have a, a, a level of anxiety when it comes to decisions. But anyways, something that I keep reminding myself is just that make sure that the people you are talking to, first of all, are credible to give advice in 
that area. So the rule of thumb that I like to use is like, would I switch places with this person in this particular area? So if you're asking for like relationship advice, don't ask people who aren't in relationships or who you know have a bad track record. (laughs) Ask somebody that you would actually switch places with in that area. Same thing with like financial decisions or work-related things, whatever it is, like make sure you're talking to the right people and make sure that the people you're taking advice from are actually supportive and that they reaffirm the fact that whatever decision you make, whatever is best for you is the best decision. Okay, the next question I want you to ask yourself when you're faced with any kind of decision, especially big ones, and this one literally changed my life. I use it every single day. I firmly believe in the power of our bodies to tell us what's really right for us. And I actually do this exercise at retreats. It's called let the body lead and the mind learn because the body just has a certain level of intuition. It knows some things that our brains don't. So the question that I like to ask myself is, which decision would feel like a sigh of relief? Like which decision would feel like I could breathe again? And I think that could tell you a lot. Step number six is to take committed and inspired action towards that decision. Just go do it (laughs) and know that you can always change your mind and course correct. And a lot of the decisions we make are reversible. It sometimes feels like they're irreversible and like this is the end all be all. And if I don't make the right one, then I can't turn back time. And yes, that is definitely the case in some dramatic, drastic situations. But a lot of the day-to-day things, like you can return the item, you can cancel the order, you can, I don't know, tell somebody how you feel. And if you fuck up, you can apologize. Like there's a lot of things that you can do and a lot more than we think we can, especially when we're struggling with anxiety. It feels like the world is coming to an end, but more often than not, it's not. So know that you can always change your mind and let yourself find a little bit of solace in that. And lastly, I think it's important to switch your mindset from, I made a bad decision or labeling things as good and bad to, I learned from this experience. And regardless of which route I take, it'll be a learning process. Let's experiment. Let's see. And it will all be okay in the end. So just release some of that pressure and start trusting yourself a little bit more. Okay. I hope this episode helped you. It definitely helped me in a weird way. (laughs) I find that podcasting or hosting retreats or whatever I'm doing, I just feel like it's so therapeutic because I don't know, it just like solidifies the things that I think about every single day, but then I actually have to like organize my thoughts and express them in a way that hopefully helps other people. And it just kind of ends up being this positive feedback loop for me. And I feel like I have a little bit of a better grasp on how I can implement 
better, quicker, less stressful decision-making in my day-to-day life. So I hope you feel the same way. I love you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Tag me on Instagram. Leave me a review. Again, I would greatly appreciate a review on my book if you feel called to do that. I would love to hear how you're liking it. And those reviews just help me a lot as a first-time author. Make sure you come back to the show notes, click on that link to fill out the form so I can send you a signed sticker signature of me writing you like a little love note. And that's all for today. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye. One last thing before we farewell, if you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.